This episode, you're going to hear an interview with Mariana Barreto, who I have interviewed before back in July in an episode called Why Fashion Matters. And we're getting a little bit deeper into the topic on this particular episode. And I'm so excited to have her because I am just fascinated with this topic and the ability to really build fascia and work with this model called biotensegrity. And Mariana is on a mission to get her message out to 1 million kids. So I hope you guys will help her and help me and spread this podcast around and share it. And if you are interested in what you hear, I hope you will take a look at her website, weflowtherapy.com. And while you're at it, take a look at my website, specialneedsinmotion.com. Have a great day. Stay healthy out there and enjoy the episode. This podcast, Special Needs in Motion, is dedicated to helping individuals learn to move and function at their best. Listen along to learn a little and maybe even laugh and be inspired. Please review and share so others can have access to our community. I'm your host, Ilana, a physical therapist, product developer, mom, wife, author, blogger, and podcaster. I love a great discussion, coaching the families with whom I work, and finding solutions. I love putting the fun and play into therapy. And it is a pleasure to be your host. Just a quick note, if you'd like to sponsor an episode, please reach out to me at specialneedsinmotion.com or just check the show notes. And any information shared here should not be taken as direct advice. You know the drill. Consult your local therapist, professional, or doctor before trying any suggestions. Well, let's go. I am going to welcome Mariana Barreto to Special Needs in Motion. And you have been on a previous podcast called Why Fascia Matters with us back in July. And it was such an incredible podcast. And I think you have such cutting edge information and techniques on working with children, specifically cerebral palsy, but, you know, a variety of kids um, with this idea of remodeling fascia or building up fascia. This is just, you know, a very new concept. And maybe you could go back and touch a little bit on fascia and just this idea that you're working with. Absolutely. And thank you again, Ilana, for having me. Um, okay, so I, I, I believe we can just summarize a little bit what we talked last time um, in terms of understanding that first, what is fascia? And fascia is this tissue that is everywhere in our body that we didn't know much about it in the past because we, we never studied the fascia. We, when I say we, I say whoever was studying the body, the fascia was in a way interfering with what they wanted to see. So they took that tissue away and literally they put it in the garbage mm-hmm. because it wasn't interested for them. And what happens is that tissue is not just one piece, it's the fabric in which our body is formed. And nowadays, there are big groups that they've been studying fascia for a while now. And it's really changing the way we understand our body because it's not, we are not parts 
we are embedded in this mesh and everything relates to everything. So fascia, it's now it's, I think it's getting very popular because most of us who are in, interested in movement and the human, um, you know, performance and the way we move or even in health, we are now paying attention to this structure that we didn't know much in the past. Right. And because, you know, really when I went to PT school, the only fascia I heard about was the tensor fascia lata. <laughs> yeah. And the lumbar fascia. Right. The temporal yeah. fascia. Yeah. yeah. Or, or yeah. Um, under the foot, you know, you get. Yes. Like, the fascia. Yeah, fascia, the fascia. Right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. And, you're, uh, and you're right. It was kind of like something that was sort of like it's a structure, but it was kind of like annoying or in the way of us seeing the muscle. Um, that's kind of how we, we viewed it. Um, or it was yeah, holding, but, holding muscle together or something, you know. Yeah, yeah but even if, uh, I mean, we, we don't want to say our age here. Right? <laughs> but I'm, just, I'm just sharing with you that my, my sons, uh, he's only 11 and he's studying um, kinesiology as a, as a subject in high school. Mm-hmm. And he, he brought the book and this is happening now. Like he's literally going through that course right now. And he brought the book and they're talking about muscles and they're, and they are talking about fascia, but just like the wrapping of the muscles. And that is so incomplete that it's so like fascia is not just a wrapping. That is very simplistic. Fascia is, is a lot more than just a wrapping. It's, it's honestly that fabric in which every part of a body is formed. To begin with, as embryo, we are formed in fascia. Fascia, it gets, it, it specializes into something, into an organ, into a muscle, into a structure. So we, that is like the, the prime material that we are built from. Okay, so that is why it's so, so important to shift that way of thinking that fascia is just the wrapping, um, because it's not, it's not the wrapping. It, there's a lot more happening there, right? And then once we understand this, there is a, a, a paradigm shift in the model that we are using to understand the body. And we say that this is new, but it's not really new. Dr. Uh, Steve Levin is the one who, who, coined the word biotensegrity mm-hmm. he he published the first paper in i think it's if i'm not mistaken in 1978 so it's it's not new either right it's it's newer than biomechanics that has been on for years and years and hundreds of years but it's it's been the, this biotensegrity model they've been talking about it for now for decades okay and now find finally it's getting the recognition mostly because it is solving problems that biomechanics cannot okay so and explain kind of the difference between the way we traditionally maybe have looked at the body and structure versus looking at fascia well first is we when we understand the biomechanical model we start with the the body as parts okay we we understand the osteology, like the bones. And then on top of that, we put the muscles that they come from one point to another, an insertion and origin. Um, then we add the nerves that we add, like we, we understand their systems, but we study them separately. Uh-huh. And for example, one of the biggest differences is in the biomechanical model, we learn that we move uh, at the joints 
in a in a system of levers or levers, depending on how you pronounce that, right? Uh-huh. Uh, meaning that there is a fulcrum. Uh, that's the the pivot in which that movement happens, and there are two um, liver arms, right? Yes. And the reality is that in our body, the joints they don't touch the bones; they don't touch together. They they never touch one. That, that that's a pathology. If one touch if one bone is touching the other bone, yeah, there is a problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you go pain. to the doctor because <laughs> you have pain. Exactly. That's that's not that's not the normal situation or the healthy situation. So. Right there, there is a mismatch because I cannot use a model that is telling me about livers if in my, in my bones, in my joints, the bones are separate. And what keeps them separate is this tension that is created within the tensional system. We, we don't say fascia alone. We are more towards talking about the ten, the fascial system or the tensional system. Mm-hmm. And it is not only and okay, let me go back to biotensegrity before getting into this. So what biotensegrity teaches us is this uh, interaction between the parts in our body. And the word biotensegrity comes from tensegrity, which is an architectural concept. It's a, it's a, it's a way of building structures in architecture. Mm-hmm. And it's basically the integrity that the structure has based on the, the combination of tension or tensional elements and compressional elements. So a tensegrity as a, as a structure is a model that has tensional like bands or uh, ropes or cables that are the tensional part. And then the struts or hard elements that are the compressional parts. Okay. But biotensegrity, because most, sometimes I get asked like, we don't have struts and cables in the body. I say, no, we are, we are not saying that we are tensegrities. We are saying that understanding the forces, the invisible forces that give, um, a stability and shape for the tensegrity structures. When we understand those forces, then we can apply those principles to the human body or to the living organisms. And this is the beauty of this. This model is a fundamental model. It's a fundamental way of explaining the structure. It applies to viruses, to like atoms, to like mm-hmm. big animals, to human, like it applies to every living organism. So it, it really, it's a way of you understanding and and kind of picturing what's happening no matter what scale you're looking at okay because it also teaches you how to see like the macro like the movement but it also explains how the cells interact between them or the different organs interact between them so it's a it's a very complex system that explains a little bit in more um Yes, in a more complex matter, the, the body, yeah. right? Yeah, so yeah. traditionally, we think of bones and muscles, maybe some nerves. We're not really thinking that hard, at least I'm not. I'm <laughs> sure there are therapists out there. They're thinking a little more deeper, you know, maybe orthopedic-oriented. But we're mm-hmm. thinking stretching and strengthening, right? That's just kind <laughs> of like pulling on the bones, right? And so now you're talking about a model and I describe this or you describe it really well on your website and in your videos. Um, and I think we described it in the last one, but this, this jello mold. Yes. That, okay. That's it. That's my way of simplifying what I just said. Mm-hmm. So if, if the body is the jello 
with the fruits in it, like the, like the dessert with the, you know, the fruits, the fruits would be the parts of the body that we, we know, what we learn in anatomy. So a fruit could be a bone, a muscle, um, a cell, like a, an organ or a viscera or something. And then the jello is that fascia that is holding everything together. And it's that relationship between that tensional system and the compressional elements inside that give the shape of that dessert, of that mold. Okay. And what we understand now is that every part matters. So if, if I take that mold and I take a strawberry, let's say that I have fruit inside and take a strawberry, the whole structure is going to be affected. Yes. Right. So everything is related. And there is a word, it's a very fancy word that is called hierarchy. That means that every part is as important as any other. Like there's no hierarchy. Okay. And that's one of the huge, um, shift that we have to do because as far as I learned in my school, uh, like everything was like the most important part was the neurology part. Like the brain is the, the, the director of the orchestra, right? Mm-hmm. And with this model, yes, the brain matters, but every part matters the same. Yes. And it, it's so, it's a, it's a paradigm shift and it's, it's so uh, amazing because how can you explain when, when organisms, they don't have nervous systems? I'm talking about very basic organisms. Some of them don't have nerve and they still move and they still live. Right? right. So it really helps understanding life in general. Right. So they were working off this basic fascia system, but long before they had bones. And Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay, great. Yeah. Yes. If I, if I, if I want to give a little bit more of a, let's say, uh, thoughts <laughs> to to consider to your audience, Dr. Levin, who is the father of biotensegrity, he's an orthopedic surgeon by training, and he's been, as I said, describing this for many, many years. He is now saying that bone is fascia. Uh, he is saying that bone is just, he called that starch fascia, that it's a fascia, that it it has more crystals in it. But like, And then, you know, when I heard that the first time, and I thought about the x-rays of an infant. Mm-hmm. We don't see the full bone there. Right. Like we could easily see that there is a part that of that bone that might be more like a jello-ish thing more than the bone, right? Mm-hmm. So it for me, it's like, oh, I never thought about this, but it makes sense. So it, it is, uh, as I said, it's changing the way we... We understand the body. And of course, it's from, in my case, it's given me a lot more opportunities to design a, an, an alternative to help the kids that I work with, with cerebral palsy. Because it, it gives me, like, if I cannot really help with a brain injury, okay, what else can we do? What else can we do locally with this new information that is going to change everything else? Right? So, um, it's for, it, it opens doors and it opens door for me in how we could diagnose these kids, uh, how, how early we could kind of find what are the areas that need the most, uh, to in a way unlock the development of these kids. Mm-hmm. And I, something that I share a lot is like, it's all about the processes. Like we, uh, when we are working with these kids and we are stuck with tight muscles 
or deformities or, oh, the child is not improving. I don't know. He's not achieving the milestones. We are looking at one specific moment in their life. And when we switch to this model and we learn about the processes that form us as embryo and that allow us develop as we grow and we, as we live, then you can zoom on those processes instead. Mm-hmm. So okay. When, so, so when yes. you're working with a child, let's look at cerebral palsy and let's look at a child perhaps that's got severely pronated eversion, you know, everted feet, right? At the ankles and their knees are in flexion, their hips are internal rotation, <laughs> the hamstrings are tight. Their core is very weak. I, you know, I, I don't know if you can picture, but that's... Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I can picture. Right? Yes. Right? Yeah. And, okay, so your approach is a bit... It, is it different? Your approach is different than, let's it, say, a therapist coming in saying, let's stand up or let's kneel. Let's put your feet in orthotics and stick you in a stander, Right. Yes, it's very different. And I'm going to start again from the model. And I, if you, well, you are familiar with my videos because I keep bringing up my transcribities to my videos to show. Yes. It's, it's very graphic. But uh, what something that we learned from this model is that the stability of the system depends on the right balance between tension and compression. And what happens is these kids, they are showing a let's say, lack of tension. And I, Mariana, but they're spastic. Yes, th- th- let me get there, okay? When we first look at them in the, their core, and most of them are very floppy at the beginning, at the very, very beginning, I'm talking about the first weeks yes. or even months, they're not spastic from day one, most of them, okay? Some some are, but most of the kids are more like low tone and very flop, floppy in that sense, right? Right. And then what the way I explained it is like they, as the demands come on them because they need to move, they need to become more stable from the tensegrity point of view. And what they're doing, they're using their tone to create that tension. And that's, that's something that again, it, that's, I'm learning this or I learned this initially from the work of Leonid Bloom. But I also, the more I get into this world of biotensegrity and I hear the experts talking about this, they are saying that the muscles are the tensors of the fascial system. Okay. And that's, that's very important and important concept to get because you cannot rely on your muscles to hold your head up, for example. You can't. You cannot like that. That's one of the things I, I have a free course for to to create a support for the head and I yeah. I'm explaining that in that course if if you are sitting let's say you and me we're sitting in a chair and we have the head up we don't get tired of having our heads up right but if right. I if I lay on my bed and I bring my head off the bed I'm laying down prone like on my belly and now my head is off the bed now I will have to use the muscles to keep my head up because my body is not structured for me to be horizontally oriented, but vertical, right? Right. But right. how long will I last in that position? Not too long. Correct. Not because, and again, the, the important concept of this is that my posture is the result of that perfect balance between tension and compression. 
And I will mm-hmm. only use the muscles to adjust my position or to create the movement. But once I achieve, I achieve that, it's done. I don't need to use the muscle anymore. That's the other principle that we learn from tensegrity, from biotensegrity. We're always, always uh, working in the most energy efficient way. Mm-hmm. And muscles are not energy efficient. They're very expensive from the metabolic point of view. So going back to my child that doesn't have that proper tension in that tensional system, we are pre-stress when we have a healthy tensional system. We are, we are pre-stressed. These kids, they have less tension in their system. So what they do, they use muscle tone, muscle tone to compensate. And that's why when you have a child that is in like resting, he's not doing anything. Chances are that he's more relaxed than when you ask him to do something. The moment he wants to talk, the moment he wants to move, the tone kicks in and everything gets stiff. Yes. Right. So that is beautifully explained with this model because we know he's using the tone to create the tension that he needs so he can move properly or whatever, uh-huh. achieve. So that, that child that you described to me, that, um, let's say that, let's say that that's a child who has a quadriplegic, spastic quadriplegic, um, yes. uh, presentation, right? That child will have tight adductors. The way I see it is that tight adductors are not the, the problem of the muscle, but the consequence of the child using strategies all the time to stabilize what was happening more in the torso or even the head. And then when you check those kids, usually the pelvis, uh, the pelvis are narrow, like they haven't opened up. They're like in the same position when they were born. Uh-huh. And then that is in a way been uh, it's seen through the legs. So now we are concerned about hip subluxation because that's commonly presented in these kids. But the thing is that it's, for me, it's not the hip or the actual femur, like the head of the femur that is off the, the socket, in this case, the acetabulum, but it's, it's that the pelvis didn't open properly. Uh-huh. Okay, it didn't develop. So, so by addressing, let's say, the core and building up that fascia, that jello, uh, then the, the, te- the, there'll be less tension in other parts of the body. Is that correct? You are, no, you are building tension. You are remodeling tissues. So they become in a way denser. That's not the right word, but just to make it clear. Okay. Mm-hmm. You are building collagen and that creates a, a, a tensional system that has better tension. It's more pre-stressed in that sense. And with that, they won't need to use the muscles. Okay. They, and will, they won't. They will need, no, they yeah. won't. They won't oh, need, they won't. they won't need to use the muscles because that, that's what, what we see. The moment you start building that tensional system that it's holding better, now the spasticity goes away. It, without, okay. like, I've, I've seen cases and many of them are like this. You're working on, let's say, on the abdomen, the pelvis, you're working up and then the feet are more relaxed. And we, uh-huh. we haven't touched the feet. We haven't done anything on the feet, right? Okay. You can, mm-hmm. of course, you can work locally as well because fascia is everywhere. So this is what I always tell the parents. We want to like go deep into the analysis of what's going on with the kids so we can target those specific areas properly mm-hmm. with the, with the routines. But we might help the rest of the body with, uh, you know, I, I have a fascia roller that I keep 
promoting is I make it with a sock so you can use that to roll and that yeah. rolling will help or you can use just massage vibration whatever you want to use just to keep the 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 healthiest tissues that you can possibly have right, right. but the the beauty of this concept is how precise we are with understanding where are the areas that are lacking tension and again remember the stability in the tensegrity is the tension compression Okay, so these kids are lacking tension. We are building that tension to create the stability. Got it. And how do you get parents to follow through on something, you know, like rolling regularly? Well, because- that, that's why I invest so much time uh, educating my parents because they need to understand the, the basic of this so they can commit to this. Mm-hmm. And the way I see this, uh, the way I explain this to them is like this. I said, listen. When you are working, when, when your child doesn't have that, okay, hold on. Let me, let me go back because I, I missed uh, one example that I always use. If the fascia is a spider web, yes. the one that builds the fascia is the spider. And that in our body, it's called the fibroblast. Okay. So the fibroblast is the cell okay. that builds the collagen that that is part of the fascial structure and that fibroblast that spider it responds to mechanical inputs like you it's imagine like it's it you have to wake up the fibroblast by touching him and say hey go and produce more collagen okay okay that's very important yes it is important because what i tell the parents is and this this spider that is imagine that picture a spider in a spider web that is just there right hanging in the spider web or attached Mm -hmm. to the spider web imagine and and let's pretend let's do it like this let's pretend that this spider web is in between a door and a wall okay Mm -hmm. so if the doll is the door if oh my goodness if the door is closed the spider web is, is stretched out, is tense. Okay. And any small movement that you bring, either the wind coming through or any vibration that comes in or insect that comes into the spider web, that spider is going to feel that and it's going to react to that. Right. But yes. now what happens if I open the door? So the two ends of that spider web comes closer. The spider web will be on a slack. It will be floppy. Yes. Right. So now mm-hmm. it's going to take longer for that spider to sense because the tensional system is not properly like tuned. It's not right. It's not, it doesn't have the right tension to pass those vibration. So the spider, it's going to be like sleepy because, oh, there's nothing interesting happening in my spider web. Okay. So the same okay. happened with the fibroblast. That fibroblast that is in embedded into this jello that is not tense. If it, if it doesn't get that mechanical stimulation, it, it goes to sleep. It doesn't, it gets inactive. Okay. And right. that remodeling process that should be happening there is not happening. So what I told the parents is it's our job to wake up those cells and mm-hmm. to keep them active. And the only way we can do that if is we get in there and we wake them up every day. So, you know, this is, this is the, the message that I tell them is we are waking up the cells that are rebuilding your child's structure. And if you do it once, it won't, it won't work. 
So you yes. have to do it every day. So when I when I'm with my parents, and I do have different programs that we're working on lately I've been very uh like I'm I've been kind of mastering the online thing. I I've been doing the online for four years now, but during the last year it's been very active <laughs> because we know uh-huh. why. Uh but it's that's that's the message that I said. Listen, you this is this is your responsibility to wake up those guys. And it's and the beauty of this is uh, it's a work that is passively done. Most of my parents, they work with their kids when they are sleeping. So the kids mm-hmm. don't really know that what's going on. And because we're working on fascia, we are using a very light touch. It's a, it's, it's a very, very light and gentle approach. So the child that it loves, like, he's like, Oh my God, this feels so good. Mm-hmm. I, I have a, I, <laughs> I have a, uh, a family that I'm working with. They're twins from Italy. And only one is doing my therapy. The other one is not. And then the mom called me and said, Mariana, can you just give me one exercise, whatever? Because the twin is asking that he wants the exercise as well. <laughs> so yeah, it, it feels good. It feels good. And that's what also for the families, especially for those kids who are limited in what they can do, they, they find the value in this because they feel like their kids are really improving and the child is enjoying the therapy. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's not frustrating. They don't uh, face this frustration part that I cannot do this. I cannot understand what you're asking me. They, I'm talking about kids mm-hmm. who are who having more challenges to follow commands, for example, or instructions. And we as therapists were limited there as well if we're trying to train or to practice a function. Yeah. So for those kids that are, they have more challenges in terms of what commands they can follow. This is is a perfect approach because you're gonna see the improvements, even though the child doesn't really know. So, for example, if they're working, I I have parents that they only work when the kid sleeps, so the child never knew that this therapy was done, and then during the day he's just a child. He he does whatever a child do, right? right. So it's um it's 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 an opportunity, honestly, to to work on with them and really what I say is boosting their, their development because we are not, it's rare that I'm going to focus on, okay, let's get this adductor like softer or this hip. It's very rare. My approach is more like, what are the processes? What's happening with the rib expansion? Well, when they breathe, what's happening with the bowel movements, what's happening with the overall support. So we are, we are Mm -hmm. working more like in a way massively with the body instead of being super, picky with, okay, this food is pronated and I want to supinate it. No, that's, that's not how, how we see it. Okay. And so how do you set goals? Uh, you know, that, yeah. Or, you know, how do you do that when you, when things are so subtle and everything's changing inside? That's, that's another lesson learned from the model because something that we learned, Elena, from, uh, with this model is that we are dealing with a soft matter. Okay. And soft matter in a way, one of the pro- properties of the soft matter is that we cannot predict exactly what's going to happen. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when I'm setting, I do set more than goals. I, I look into what is the weakest link that I want to strengthen. And then during the assessment, depending on the programs that are taken, we are very specific with the assessment. Okay. So for example, I'm going to give you an example. Let's say that during the assessment, I find 
that the connection between the clavicle and the sternum is not holding properly. And that okay. is something that is limiting uh, the child to have some sort of weight bearing through the arm. Because if you don't have, a, again, a good connection between your clavicle and your sternum, and then from your sternum to your arm, and all that jello around those structures is holding that, it's very difficult that you can do weight bearing through your arms. So I might test weight bearing, and I see that the child is not holding, and then I'll give some exercises to work on those areas, let's say the sternum, the chest, the back, to, mm-hmm. to improve that jello. And then after six months, we're going to reassess. And chances are that when I repeat the test, I see more stability in that area, specific area. And I see improved function in the, in the weight bearing, let's say. Okay. Got but it. it's, it's not it. always yeah. like that straightforward. Okay. And there are many byproducts that we love them. For example, uh, kids, they would sleep better because of this therapy or they would, uh, like have more regular bowel movements or they would uh, speak louder, for example, or like there are Mm -hmm. so many things that happen. And those things come from the very beginning that I, I always tell the parents, like, just be attentive to these little details because they're meaningful. And it's not a goal of treatment. My child is going to sleep better. Okay. Well, but we appreciate it. mm -hmm. Yes. Obviously there's these benefits. Absolutely. Benefits. But you know, one of the things that I love that just pulls me towards this, and obviously I'm not skilled and I just, you know, watch your videos right now and, and I'm just still learning but I love the soft surfaces that you encourage using, whether it's like you were talking about the neck collar that you show on your website, which I've made. And that's awesome. It's awesome. Like I, and, and, you know, parents initially are like, but my child doesn't need a neck collar. I'm like, oh, yes, they yes. do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they can't hold their head up. But um, yes, look at this. This is this is, again, going back to the fundamentals, right? We're dealing with fascia yeah. and fascia. Mm-hmm needs a light touch so yeah when my motto is small movements to feed the fascia if i have mm-hmm. my child sitting in the wheelchair or the stroller and i have the afos on in 90 degrees and that those feet are strapped to the wheelchair uh, footrest and there's no movement coming to those feet there's no mm-hmm. movement Okay. Right. So what I, what I say is, okay, take those AFOs away. I am a little bit anti AFOs, but that's another conversation we can have another day. Sometimes they're needed. Some others are not. So I'm, I'm flexible with that. But overall, I don't like the child to be having the AFOs all day long. Like if you need it for weight bearing, then use them. If you need it for, you know, there are specific things that you need to do with them use them but the rest you can free those feet like imagine yourself getting your feet in 90 degrees period always like Mm -hmm. there's nothing Mm -hmm. happening in those tissues so when i'm when i'm thinking about soft supports and soft base to be with or on i use you see i'm always sharing i call these ideas to play is use a sponge or a memory foam or a deflatable, like inflatable ball that is deflated or something, whatever, a pillow, something, something something that Mm -hmm. gives, because what you want, you want to allow those 
small movements. It doesn't have to be big range of, no, no, no. It's very, it's more like a vibrational thing or more like a very small, small movement. Sometimes you don't see them, but those small, small movements is what is feeding the tissue. This fibroblast right. that I was telling you, the spider, they sense when the, the fluids flow. That's the other way they get activated. So the moment you, you move very little, one part that pushes the fluids from point A to point B. And whatever mm-hmm. spider or fibroblast is in the way, it's going to get activated. So it's a way of feeding those tissues throughout the day. And I always tell the parents, whatever you find there is a gap in between your child's, let's say, back and the, the, the back of the chair, you can fill up that with a sponge. And that now that tissue that is there that before was just up in the air, now it's getting that stimulus from, from the movement that is coming from the body. Yes. And I, I love that, you know, cause I just started using a lot more of my therapy, like, using inflatables, using pillows, all, you know, and it's made a really big difference in the way the kids are responding also. And the binder, the binder tool. And if you haven't watched that, it's on my Facebook uh, videos. Like I have a Facebook group and I I share live there, you know, because you're there. Uh, But I'm always sharing stuff there, like ideas. And I did a Facebook live about the binder. And just how? Yes, I want to see yes. that one because and I really want to use. Because the listen, I I have my own binder that I design and I sell and all that. But the truth is, I said this is such a simple concept that I could just share this with the world, and that's what I did. I I just you know my dolls that I have, Flow and Hope. I my my dolls that I use. Yes. So I I sat I sat in my office with the dolls and towels and and sponges, and I literally show how to bind, like how to wrap the abdomen with the towel, mm-hmm. and I was explaining how this works. Okay, and the truth is, after this, and I have it, it's more than nine hundred members now that I have in my group. They wow. they were like. It was, it is rewarding when you get an email from someone from the Philippines or from someone from, I don't know, Vietnam or Australia, like far, I'm in Canada. So this is far from me. And I say, Mariana, mm-hmm. I did this and it's amazing how my child is now more relaxed. I say, yes, of course. That's the principle because the moment you create that tension artificially, your child won't use the tone. That's the principle right there. But this is just a uh-huh. towel that is wrapped around the torso with some, you know, inserts that I add and, and they, they're doing that and using like duct tape to keep it in place. And you can see immediately the result. And then I have now more therapists like you that they're doing that with their kids. And they're saying, this is um, yes. like, they, why this works again? Because I don't understand, but it works. I say, I know it works. <laughs> That's why, you know, it doesn't, it's an extra hand for stability first. And second, it's a tool that the parent can just build or take home. And again, work on the mechanism because this is not. I mean, I can tell you the neck collar. It works, does. You know? And I'm, I'm sure everything else does too. But, but like I, that one was simple enough that I could use it on several of the kids that I work with and show the parents. Yeah. Know? Let me, let me just and, share with um, your audience that this is a free course that I have in my platform, but it's called Let's Keep Your Head Up. And I'm showing you yeah. how to make the neck support. 
And as you say, it works. And it's not only for those kids who don't have head control. I, I do have kids wearing that. Um, just because I felt that they needed the space in the, in the back of the neck and the parents reported improved, um, concentration when they will, while they were doing the homework at school, for example. I have one mom who reported improved, uh, gaze with that as well. It's all related. I had one child here in my area that he came to me with a CVR, a cortical visual impairment diagnosed. And I gave mm-hmm. them, I, I, I found during the assessment that he was really like compressed in the back of the, of the neck in the skull area. So I gave them the neck support right there in the spot. And six months later, the diagnosis has been removed. There's no more. So wow. it's like, was it really the cortical part or was more like the structural part that wasn't helping? Right. So yes, that uh-huh. works. <laughs> I'm glad that you're saying that yourself because I know it works. And, but I do have, I do have yeah. parents that uh, whose therapists unfortunately don't see the value and they say, no, that, that's not, that doesn't work. I say, well, have you tried it? Just try it. It's free. <laughs> well, and it just changed like my whole thinking as to when I take a child. And I come in and then I put them down on a hard floor, even carpeting, which is sort of hard. There's just all this resistance. And then one day I was like, you know, I was like, oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) And I I just took like all the pillows off the couch Hmm. and I started working with them on the pillows. And it was just so different. Like for me, it was a different experience. Absolutely. And it all comes to understanding the the, the basics. And, and again, I said, I think my, my job in this world is to translate this high end scientific information into what can I do with this in my life? Mm-hmm. Like to the parents, right? Because if you, mm-hmm. if you go and, and you try to understand the science behind this, and this is a paradigm shift. So it takes a while to get the concept. But it's okay. What can I do with this? What can I like soft matter? What do you mean by soft matter? What do you mean like soft touch? How can I change what they do every day? Because that's the thing. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work if you do it once, but it, it does if you do it every day. You're feeding those tissues every day. So overall, you're going to have, you're going to get a healthier body because you are in many ways getting those spiders to be happier. Right. Right. You know, I think I can give an example that just we as adults can relate to. And you can correct me if you need to tweak it or if it's not right. But, um, you know, someone who has an adult, let's say, that has back pain, hip pain, okay, and they go looking for the perfect chair, Mm -hmm. right? I hear this often, like, which chair should I get, right? And the my thought more recently than not, is there is really no perfect chair out there, okay? The perfect seating position is one that's active and where you're not just being still or strapped down, you know, into this perfect posture because any posture or chair that you sit in that's just going to hold you stiff, you're going to eventually mm-hmm. hurt. So, you know, moving about an active posture is just much more beneficial. And why is that? I would think because you're getting all that motion in the joints. You're yes. getting that fascia mm-hmm. fed. You're getting circulation. You're moving. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you are, you are always shifting your position in a small way. You didn't have to be moving big, yeah. but you are never still. You're never still. Like I had once, I, I have different videos that I, I give to the parents when they're taking my premium programs 
to, just to educate them, because I think it's important that they get this principle right so they can commit to this. That's what I told you before. But I have this mm-hmm. video where I'm talking about the, the undulations and the small movements that they have to happen through the spine. And what I did, I took a video of an audience what, watching a, a show. And none of them stay still for more than seconds. Like every, like you're right. moving, you're always moving. Think, like pay attention to whatever you're waiting in line to, I don't know, pay something. You're yes. always moving, always moving. Yeah, my friend, I had an OT friend and she said, movement is not, I mean, education is not just from the chin mm-hmm. up. Like you use your whole body to learn, which is why children should not have to sit Ex- still. Exactly. <laughs> and and the fact that these kids, that, and that's one of the things that I, I tell the parents, for example, one of my number one tip for them, if they are in a wheelchair, is like, make sure that you can recline the chair because they mm-hmm. don't have the mechanisms to adjust the positions themselves. So you recline right. in the chair, you put yourself on a reminder and every five or 10 or whatever, 15 minutes, you come and you change the angle of the chair. That's going to re mm-hmm. kind of readjust how things are working inside. And the same comes when you add the sponges. And that's what I tell the parents as well. I say, listen, if your child is laying down and let's say that you're busy and you cannot be always stimulating fascia, but Let's say that you have four, and I, I buy, honestly, inexpensive things. I buy sponges in the, my dollar store, like dishwashing uh, sponges, right? Uh-huh. And I tell them, you have this everywhere in your house. So if your child is on the back, you come and you put one sponge, let's say, under the right side, and you leave him there. And then in, in a little bit, you come and you change that, that sponge to another side. So every time you mm-hmm. move that that interface between your child and where he's at, that's going to change the way those flows are moving inside. And, and that's right. going to activate different spiders. So that's mm-hmm. when you're asking me goal of treatment, I'm sorry, I don't have because I'm thinking in the overall development and I'm not thinking in milestones either. The milestone, they will come when the structure is ready. Right. And mm-hmm. this, this is one of the other things you asked me about the standing. Right. And I, I came with this kind of, whoa, you know, Eureka moment. <laughs> we as therapists, uh, we learn that for these kids, we have to put them in, into the standard frames to develop the hips and the pelvis. Right. But what yeah. happens if you see, let's say your friend had a baby and the baby is one month old healthy baby and she's playing with the baby in standing what would you say you say it's too Too soon soon because the pelvis is not developed or is don't don't do it right Right. this exactly same principle happens with the kids with cp the pelvis is not developed and we are now creating more challenges to a structure that cannot hold that properly the pelvis in, mm-hmm. in the typical development of the child, the pelvis develops before the child gets into the standing position. The pelvis is ready. It, it gets its final shape eventually, even they said up to 25 years, but the pelvis is not developed uh, when the child stands. I mean, the pelvis doesn't wait to the, sta- the child to stand to develop. It happens before. 
And yes. that's the thing. Like with these kids, that pelvis is still very close and narrow. And now we're hoping that by standing, that that's going to change. And no, it, it has mm-hmm. to do with the development of the, of the abdomen first and that diaphragm pushing down the organs and those organs pushing out the iliac bone so they can open. That's how the development mm-hmm. comes from, right? So yeah, it's a different yeah. way. It's a different, but it is, it is very, uh, effective. Okay. I have one, sure. one more question or just topic is as you're working the, these techniques, um, I'm sure there's a, a positive effect on breathing and other vital functions. You mean, you mentioned bowel movements, but just like respiration and, and, Digestion. Absolutely. Um, we are, there, two things are happening. First, we're working with the, like, locally within the ribs. So we are, we are working as a, as a byproduct. Again, I'm not working rib by rib, but I'm working in that overall expansion of the chest. Because think about this. Mm-hmm. Imagine the, the spider web in that inside the chest is, is very weak and it hasn't, create the tension to open the ribs. Imagine an umbrella that you have closed. So the fabric in between the wires is loose, right? You need to have the tension so the umbrella can be open and expanded, okay? So what we're doing, we are dealing with the fabric of the umbrella. We are creating the tension. So once it's tense, then the ribs, which are the wires in the umbrella, can open. So one, once we get that, the, the movement of the chest is going to be much more productive in that sense. It's going to be expansion throughout the whole rib cage, including the back. And that movement of the ribs in the back is what's going to keep the spine flexible. And that movement yes. of symmetrically coming into the spine is what's going to prevent the scoliosis. Because now mm-hmm. both sides are moving at the same like the same range, let's say, or the same expansion, right? So, yeah, mm-hmm. so that's, that comes. Also, when you are expanding this, these structures and you're creating the right tension, then every valve or every uh, sphincter that we have in our body is going to close properly because those yes. gates are also membranes that they need tension to work properly, right? So, it's under, right. it's key to understand the tension in the tensional system. It's key because most of us, well, many therapists are working with fascia, but they're saying, I'm doing fascia release. And I say, well, that's great. But in my case, I don't want a release. I want the remodeling. <laughs> the release, I, I might uh-huh. like the release down when, when there's some tightness in the muscles, like distally, the feet, but to be honest, I'm not, I'm not thinking in release. I don't want release. I want remodeling. I want more. I want more volume. Okay. Right. So it's a, it's a little bit of a difference there as well. This is amazing. And I think you've again touched on just some really, um, you know, enlightening topics and a different way of looking at the body and the entire system. And even for therapists who, this is new to, you know, they can go to your website. WeFlowTherapy.com. That's my website. Okay. Yes. That's, um, and your yes. Facebook. And I also have my Facebook group that is, it's open to whoever wants to come. You're welcome. Um, it's called the same WeFlow Fascia Therapy. It's there. It's linked into my fa- Facebook page and also my Instagram. Okay. Um, 
I, I can say for therapists, we are very active in the biotensegrity community. And right now we are in the second season of what we call the biotensegrity parties. We meet every Friday and we stream on YouTube. So every Friday there is, and the videos, they stay there. So we're bringing experts and we're bringing, um, to talk about different parts of this, you know, of this complexity <laughs> that is, but it, it's yes. a very good way to understand this. You can, like I, I had, I met one therapist from Spain that she found this group, uh, recently and she watched, we've been doing this for almost a year now and she watched every single episode, <laughs> like from December. And I said, my God, wow. and she said, it's like a series that you cannot stop watching because it's so interesting. So yes, the information is out there. That's what I say. It's not, this is not that, oh, Marianne is special. No, this information is there and most of it is free to, to get. Uh, there are courses that they're developing. I've taken some of them, but honestly, it's a matter of first wanting to understand a little bit more and also being open to, well, maybe we didn't know it, uh, in, in fully, you know, I, I'm not blaming yeah. my teachers that did, didn't teach me this and say, well, you didn't know that. I didn't know that either, but now it's there. Okay. So yeah, exactly, we need to exactly. use it. Yeah. Okay. So I will put uh, lots of information on your different groups on the notes for this Sounds episode. Good. And I just want to thank you for coming back. And I hope the therapist listening will share this <laughs> because I think it's cutting edge and um, it's just going to get better. So. Thank you, Lana, for having me. And also, I know you enjoy all this and, and I'm so happy to know that you are actually applying these principles. Um, I recently had the workshop for the therapist that I did, but I'm, when I have therapists asking, I'm the happiest. Uh, honestly, oh, because it, it, it means like you that's... care about what you're doing and, and, and you see, and I want also to know, like, do you, does this make sense to you to begin with? Right? Like the, the way we say that. Oh, so yeah. having someone come in and say, listen, I see the value. That's the best re reward that I can possibly get. And knowing that we can share. I have a mission in my life that is to help 1 million kids around the world. That's my mission. Okay. Oh, I'm, I'm going somewhere not near that number, of course, but I cannot do, do this myself. Like, right. Okay. So exactly, exactly. So and that that's why I have so many resources available for free. I'm not charging for all these courses that I have, uh, for the next support, the fashion world. Those are free resources. And, and I see, I put that everywhere. I want to help 1 million kids around the world. And. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm excited to be a part of your mission and this free podcast can be shared as much as, as possible. Well. <laughs> yes. well, thank you, Elena, for having me. Okay. Thank you for being here yeah. with me this evening. Have you a too. great bye night. Bye. Thank you for listening and sharing. I really appreciate your helping me spread tips that might be of help to someone you know. And remember that why is not near as important as what and how. Have a special day.